Darling, we've had one hell of a time But the question on everybody's mind Where is the Hello and welcome to Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker, and Griffin Sheridan. This is part two of our discussion with Michael Morisi. We hope you enjoy. Uh, let's change gears here for a minute. And, mm. you know, we've talked about Wasted Space and your old books. And, you know, we mentioned that you wrote a movie and this isn't a movie podcast. Go find a fucking movie podcast if you want to talk about <laughs> oh, Revealer. damn. <laughs> no, we'll talk about it. Revealer, it's on Shutter. It's great. I watched it. It's very fun. Sort of a locked room horror thing. You should all watch it. I literally got a Shutter subscription to watch it. Because um, I was like, <laughs> the, premise is, I the premise is so good. I, I love it so much. It's yeah. great. And oh, I, thanks, I was like, Mike, how do I watch it? And he was like, it's on Shutter. And I was like, cool. How else do I watch it? And he was like, it's on Shutter. Shutter has it. It's their thing. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so I got Shutter. And I really love Shutter. And I watch a lot of stuff on Shutter. I was, so, I was oh, wondering okay. if you were about to say, so I stole it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes. no, no. I, sus- I subscribed to Shutter for it. Oh, it's surely I, out there. It's stealable. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, everything's stealable if you if you have uh, willpower. Mm-hmm. Um, if you care about getting things. <laughs> which, um, which, everything we just talked about just totally... Yeah, we're gonna eyes everything. We're sporting the arts, but also steal shit if you need to. I spent. This is not a joke, and maybe we should cut this out of the episode. But I literally spent twenty minutes last night uh, trying to find a watchable version of Cocoon. Uh, You can't watch Cocoon. It's not available anywhere. It's not. It doesn't seem purchasable. Like you just can't get it. Okay. And I ac- I even accidentally rented Cocoon to the return from YouTube <laughs> because they had like cropped the box. So it just said Cocoon. And then when I clicked on it, it was like rent. Then it was like, you've rented Cocoon to the return. <laughs> like the no! box was rented. I was like, oh, what the hell? Uh, Did you because- find it? No, but I only needed like a snippet That's of so it. Weird. And I found okay. a snippet of it online. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time this is out, people will know why, probably mm-hmm. if they care. But like, you're right, Cocoon Three. I'm I was like, about to say, <laughs> I'm doing yeah. a comic book adaptation of Cocoon, Whoa. and they can't get me a copy of it. <laughs> They're like, we don't, we don't have it. If you find it, figure out what it's about. That's why they need the comic. Yeah, <laughs> they someone who remembers the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh cocoon, yeah, I got it all up in here. Um, no, I uh, there's a Cocoon <laughs> reference in what's the first place from here coming up. And uh, there was a minute where I was like, should I reference Cocoon to the return? Is that even funnier if they're like <laughs> quoting Cocoon to the return? And then I was like, no, it's not particularly mm-hmm. funny. Like it's funnier, but it's not better. <laughs> so I then found the clip on YouTube. But um, media accessibility so important in the 21st that's century. That's crazy that that's not around. That's just. Uh... <sighs> it's not even on Shutter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a horror. Shutter. It's not a horror movie, so it shouldn't. It's be, a but... it's a dark web exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> um, the dark web weirdly optioned cocoon. Like <laughs> yeah. it's the only time I didn't know that. I didn't know they did that. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> they're trying it out. Seeing, um, no, it's probably exclusive to like one of those refrigerators that has like the TV built in and like. <laughs> 
you know, the refrigerator company. It's like, we need content. License uh, Cocoon. That's still, like, the only way to get it is buying one of those. Something yeah. insane like that. I yeah. feel like they're hitting their age demographic for the yeah, fridge yeah. and Cocoon okay. for sure. Though. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty smart mm-hmm. move, actually. It's also <laughs> probably, uh, you know, just a, I've never done it, but it's probably a great way to take in the movie. Uh, yeah it's, it's probably really it's nice bigger than a phone so i mean it's... yeah you're up on most things you just have to stand in your kitchen <laughs> yeah but if you want a snack if it pauses right when you open the fridge that's this is the perfect situation this is the I, like that. I don't know if it does i might anyway have... not a movie podcast not a movie podcast <laughs> not, not a refrigerator podcast um, yeah. but we can talk about since we're on this technology do you want to talk about the time i tried to copy you know they have the tv vhs combo remember those they were oh, like yeah, you know yeah, you yeah. get like a 13 inch screen mm-hmm. yeah nightmare i tried to i tried to in the, a long time ago and like when i was like 20 i tried to copyright tv the tv dvd combo okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah it turns out you have to actually know the technology to copyright <laughs> <laughs> um, like do you have so how does it work I was like, or I anything <laughs> Like, did you make it? Know, and you're like with duct tape. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just just duct tape but... a, a, a DVD player to a fucking TV. Yeah, like here, that's, that's weird. Because yeah. when I was 20, I tried to cop uh, do the TV waffle iron. And it, oh wow! And I did get the copyright on that. I think is it that me. like the this is the waffle iron and the TV is like on it and you just watch it until you got a no no it's just on top. Okay. It's just on top. Okay. Does it have any off. exclusives? Uh, Cocoon Two: The Return. Oh yeah. shit! Uh, YouTube's <laughs> yeah. losing it at the end of the month. Yeah, huh? we took it from YouTube. Um, no, uh, we were. You know, it just goes to show we were just one ahead of our time, and uh-huh. two always go getters. You know. Yeah. No, it's true. The hustle's real. Uh, actually, if you want to talk about waffles, when I was. Uh, when I was definitely a waffle podcast it's comics and waffles uh, yeah, yeah. more people would listen to the show if it was called comics and waffles you know that right I like it I like <laughs> um, it yeah. we uh, when I was young uh, I lived alone uh, I lived like by myself from when I was like 16 and and uh, for some reason I decided that waffles was like the easiest thing to make <laughs> and like eat regularly I was just like I'm just gonna like regularly have waffles and at some point being a like dirtbag 16 year old i decided that i should move the waffle iron because it's an autonomous appliance it doesn't need a kitchen per se that i should move it to my bedside table so i can make waffles (laughs) in my bedroom and uh then it was like getting like hot gross stuff so then i just had on the floor next to my bed This is um, the fucking Michael Scott carpeted or not well, carpeted. No, yeah, it, it's funny because yeah. when the Michael Scott thing came out, people like were talking to me about that that he had a like thing. But yeah, no, did you step on it? No, I never stepped on it, but I did okay. at one point. Um, like you know, waffle iron will drip and it drips yeah. stuff. And and uh, uh, my girlfriend came over and she was like, uh, went to get a sponge and she was like, "You dripped waffle stuff on there. I'm gonna get it." And I was like, "No, you should leave it." Because in a few days it hardens and you can just pick it up. You don't need a spot. You stress me out. Yeah. I, mean, I, was like, I, was like seven, I was like 17. No, I was like, no, I'm leaving it there so it'll be easier. It's, it's to easier to clean, clean up over time. I, there's a logic to it that I, I stand by. Um, That's awesome. The, uh, Mike, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, this, I mean, we have to we have to move on. But what was the fine? What what made you take it out of your room? What was the last straw? <laughs> yeah, where is the waffle iron now? 
You know, I wish I knew because it made the best waffles. They were really soft. Like I like okay. a spongier waffle. I don't like it when they're dry. Like I like mm-hmm. them almost gummy. And this one was like there where I needed to be. So I don't know. I guess I could well, keep, look keep into Keep us posted. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I have a storage bin. It may very well be in storage. Hmm. Have you ever somewhere. tried to put, uh, you ever put mashed potatoes in your waffle? No, I don't do all that like gross shit in a waffle. Like people are like, I put a, I put a ham oh, in there. Oh, that's yeah. too much. That's too much. You'll, you'll congeal <laughs> it on the floor, but. I wasn't eating that though. I wasn't eating it. I, that was a cleaning system. This is, oh, you're talking no, about, sure. you're talking about eating. Like why do I, mashed potatoes are great. Why do you want them waffled? What, what is going on? Have you read Barbaric, Matthew? Have you read I Barbaric? Did, I did read Barbaric. Let's talk about Barbaric. All right, uh, fine. For a few minutes. Um, <laughs> you know, we're just being a little freeform here. Uh, you know, I me like and Mike could talk yeah, about all the different hamburger places. We have, loose. we have a lot to catch up on. We always okay. go to hamburger places together. He comes mm-hmm. to New York. I go to Chicago. We go get hamburgers. It's a good time. Um, we have a lot of thoughts on hamburgers. We could share them. We could do that for a while. Well, this show never says no to a riff. So, <laughs> oh, I dropped a thing. I'm not in my normal location, and so I made a like makeshift table to have a table next to me, and it almost fell over. Um, makeshift table. Well, I'm on a couch, so I wanted to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you want a fucking couch? Um, the I don't normally do this on a couch. It's like a level of leisure that I'm not accustomed to. <laughs> the there's a comic out You're reporting live from an alley. Like what? I'm, uh, I I'm, thought he was at a motel when he first answered the thing. <laughs> this is tasteful this is like tasteful you make fun of me when no. i'm in my apartment because you were like oh it looks like hell and whatever you said and you're like or alphabetize your books sort them by color and i'm like oh, okay you've fine. made fun of my setting no matter where i sit and you made fun of me for being poor a minute ago so i don't know what i didn't, I didn't <laughs> I make fun of you for being want. poor that's not a fair assessment i made fun of you for pouring thousands and thousands of dollars into hoping that your vet can cure cat herpes <laughs> There's no cure for cat herpes. Just you gotta like stop. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> yeah, you learned that ten thousand dollars into the process. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, you could have yeah. learned that with a Google. You could have been. You could have just texted me, "Hey, how do you cure cat herpes?" And I'd be like, "I don't think there's a cure for that, man." And you could have fucking not been in debt. What do you, you know? You're a dog guy. Anyway. I'm a dog guy. I don't think they get herpes, but I don't really know. I don't think so. No, they're, be- no they're better animals. I'm not about um, to Google. I'm not putting it out there. The, uh, so there's a comic out called Barbaric. There is, and I'm a fan. Of Michael Morrissey, what is Barbaric about? Yeah, it's about a. Uh, it's about a barbaric, and it, it, this is always the part I suck at, it, not it? This is the hardest part. I can't believe you asked this you question. Sh- you the should be good. Pitch. You should be good at it now. You've been doing yeah. it so long. I, I, but I don't ever. I don't tour around with it. I don't. I don't very rarely do any interviews. This is a rare thing for me. This is rare. I mean, I can't I mean, believe I'm talking. Feel... I can't believe I'm seeing other human beings right now. I mean, we feel very... <laughs> I can't believe that this is what we're talking about. <laughs> that all the, all the stuff can. we've talked about is what we've done on. But yeah, uh, do you want me to say what it's about? I'm not going to. That'd say be great. About. No, you're going to do it. <clears throat> all right, barbarian. Bar- barbarian. What's this? No. What's this? Barbar- <laughs> it's called barbarian. <laughs> it's not a movie podcast. Okay, takes place in this Airbnb. Um, oh my god! So barbaric is about Owen, who is a barbarian who gets cursed. He always not has a, to do the not right a normal thing. barbarian name. Not a normal barbarian name. No, Owen like is that. a funny barbarian name. A regular guy. <laughs> he gets cursed to always have to do the right thing. Right, and his moral guide is uh, an axe, a sentient axe 
who uh, the more it kills, the more it gets drunk on blood and his moral <laughs> boundaries start to fade. Uh, and he's accompanied by Sorin, uh, who is a witch. Yes. And that's barbaric. And it's, that's and it's just, just uh, filthy and violent. And uh, <laughs> I just enjoy the hell out of writing it. <laughs> you, you've done, there's two trades out now. Yeah. And yeah, the third <clears throat> arc just began. By the time this is out, it'll have been out for a little bit. Right. Um, third arc is called Hell to Pay. Did I make that up? No. No, it's you're right. That's correct. And uh, it's you writing it. And I love the book. Nathan Good, Nathan Good drawing it. Uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, he's we, great. We, we, we can talk about Amazing. that yeah. more in a minute. Um, oh, sure, let's talk about him now. Uh, he's so good. I know. He's fascinating choice for the book because he's not uh his characters are so sort of expressive and mm. and comedic and acting is so strong yeah and it sort of sent me down this thing when i was thinking about it of like did you have him in mind when you made the book because when i think of like a barbarian book it doesn't have a lot of that kind of comedic chops to mm-hmm. it, that kind of acting and express expressions and all of those things. Like very stiff a lot of the time. Yeah. It's very it's very stiff. It's a it, you know, it's a stone-faced medium, as it were. Mm, right. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious. The book is very funny. It, it's got a lot of personality and quirk and charm to it. It really wouldn't work with a more tradition like some of the more traditional Conan type mm. artists. Right. Um did you know he was going to be on when you came up with the idea? Did you develop the idea for him? Like, where did he come in in the process? So, Nate, um, so interesting enough, I don't know if m- most people know this. He's actually Adrian Damien's uh, cousin. Um, so he's, he's oh, really? you know, mm. a, a part of all. And he's also, uh, uh, Matt, as a, I don't know if you guys are all New Yorkers, he's uh, Dwight Gooden's mm-hmm. nephew. So there you go. No, that's <laughs> not really true, is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Holy shit. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they couldn't. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I get it. Yeah, yeah, uh, wow. Yeah, but he so he was a fan. Uh, so he was. I met him because the point of bringing up with him involved. Like he's always, you know, I did when when I was doing cons, obviously pre pre COVID. Um, he was always around with Vol, and he had done uh, Zojaquan with Jackson and Colin. Yeah, right, um, right, right, right. Right. So he had done a book with them already, but he was also just like, he's always just like their, their in-house artist. Like he does so many like covers and their incentives and stuff like that. He's yeah. always doing something. He's just their salary artist. Right. Yeah. Um, and part of the company, but I was always around vault. So ergo, I was always around him. We became buddies and he was a really big fan of ways of space. And he was just like, you know, I got, I got to work with you. Let's work together. Let's do something. Uh, which was flattering to me because he's so great. So I was like, yeah, like what? And we started talking like, what What do you want to do? You know, this is the first time this really, actually, I had this experience where, um, you know, oftentimes when, you, when you're doing your creator own books, it's like you kind of have a f- pretty firmly at least fleshed out idea of not like a whole script or whatever, mm-hmm. that then you find a collaborator and you find the, find the right partner where with Nate, we started you know, we, we decided to become partners even before any of that stuff. So, you know, we went through some ideas and barbaric is something we really truly developed together. Like I can tell you, and I don't remember all this stuff clearly, but for example, like Soren has these tattoos that are, that are blades, you know, the yeah. knives and they, they come off of her, this magic, this very cool thing. That was a hundred percent Nate. 
that's all mm-hmm. Nate's idea and, oh, and awesome. his execution. Yeah, it is brilliant. Um, so we really did it truly fully together. And I, I always knew how much I'm like, man, I know he's going to be awesome at drawing these really big, crazy scenes. And I know he's going to have just bring so much vitality to him. I always think of the word vitality when I think of Nate's art, at least I did. But now, like you said, Matt, like his, the, the expression and the comedic chops and the acting and the, what he brings like on that character level, it, it you know, he didn't really do it in Jojo Kwan because he didn't really call for it. Sure. So I was, um, I don't know, I was surprised. I mean, obviously very pleasantly surprised and blown away like at how good he can stage, yeah. um, how he can stage characters and their reaction and their acting. I mean, I don't know. And I can't really honestly think of anybody in comics at least right now who's who's on par with nate in in that regard yeah he's great he's great um i'm curious about the inception of the book because it's it's funny because it's like on some level you know you had trouble sort of being like well i don't you know with the elevator pitch or whatever when when i asked you to describe it and on, (laughs) on some ways it's like it seems like a very strange concept. Like you're like, well, it's this barbarian and he's cursed to do good. And then the sword, there's like a lot of parts to it. Right. Um, But then sort of when you read it, it's all so organic and so well done. And I think part of that is because it's some like very, very good tropes used in ways you've never seen before done interesting things with them. Like you're doing a buddy comedy book but the buddy comedy is a barbarian and his axe <laughs> and his axe is like kind of an alcoholic mass murderer but like um and there's all this sort of like there's all these things that are like things you've seen before but then just twists on them that make it feel so fresh and so out there and i i i just sort of wonder where it all started where you like, I want to do a barbarian comic or I want to do a buddy comedy book, or I have this idea about a cursed guy. Like, where do you remember what the origin of it is? Like where, where it began for you? Yeah. Well, I had the idea and I can tell you, um, I think it's something that you relate to. Like I had the idea like, Oh man, this part, and it, it, I didn't have the tone, but I had the idea of like a barbarian who gets cursed. He's always got to do the right thing, which I thought was funny, you know, or that yeah. you, you do some cool stuff with that. But what really made it take off was I already kind of talked about it, so I won't go over it again, but like the the voice, you know, in terms sure. of like the author, authorial voice that like I learned how to do in Wasted Space. But, you know, I'm not a huge fantasy fan. You know, I'm not afraid to admit that, you know, despite doing a fantasy book. I don't say I dislike fantasy. I just don't, I haven't read a ton of it and I don't mm-hmm. know a ton of it, you know, like, but like, when I think of fantasy, there are the tropes that I know, and I find them really challenging. That's the reason I don't get further into fantasies because there's these big worlds and there's these all this like really deep character and maps and stuff like that. I'm like, man, that's so hard for me. And it's also the thing that I, what I mentioned, like that I think you relate to at the time that I thought of barbaric, I was writing, it was that window that I was writing fairly regularly at, at DC, you know, ish, and I was getting gigs and I always struggled. I always struggled because as you know, like they'll say, okay, the thing that I really struggled with, I never got like more than like an issue at a time, like do an issue of Green Arrow, now do an issue of Flash, now do an issue of this. And the thing that I struggle with is like, man, how do I do something else with this character, especially in one issue, but just alone, that question is like, how do I, what am I going to do with, you know, 
boomerang from the suicides. I mean, what are you going to do with yeah. him in general? <laughs> but like, he, throw, he throws stuff. It's cool. He throws stuff. Yeah. He's Australian, I believe. But... That's correct. Okay, great. Um, but like, how am I going to do something that makes this new and fresh and strips everything away? Because that's my, my instinct is to strip things away and to sure. see what's, what's there. And I just really had a hard time doing that, you know, with, with mm-hmm. these, with these characters that have existed for, you know, they have hundreds of issues behind them and so many stories. I'm like, I just, I don't know what to do. And it it really frustrated me and, and, and was hard for me. So that's when I came to Barbaric. I'm like, well, how do I do it? Where this is where I can just take all that stuff and just shred it. Just say, we're we're just, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm not going to have a fantasy map. I'm not going to make this like, there's no mythology. I mean, there is a mythology sort of, but like, I'm really going to just instead of relying on these things, I'm going to do the thing that I'm comfortable with, which is like the voice and, and, and that wasted space stuff and all that. I'm going to lead with that. And I'm just going to take all that stuff that, 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 that stymies me. And I'm just going to get rid of it. Yeah. And that's what kind of made the book work, you know, and then having Nate as a partner too, where he felt the same. He's like, man, I just want to be able to do something that is freeing and liberating. And we just can just take this thing and go wild with it. And I was like, man, that's exactly what I want too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so fascinating because I think uh, I, I I think my brain works the same as yours in some ways, because like I I really do like fantasy stuff, big fantasy stuff, but I don't like making it. <laughs> I don't want to like <laughs> I, I don't you know, I see these people who who live for world building and it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's not, you know, like, uh, you know, I'll talk to John Hickman and he'll be like, oh, you know, and I'm just the the overwhelming sense I get when I talk to a writer like that or like a, a Nick Spencer or like these guys who like they have these like galaxy mind, galaxy brain planning plans i'm just like that's not how i work man like i'm a character first writer i i yeah, I, I like to, you are I, I like to think of the character and like um and so it, it's funny because i think barbaric works for me in some ways because it is like character first but you know this could be a you know a dirty cop and is gone and it works you could do it like this could be a, you know you could put it it could be in the future it could be science fiction it could be anything it's it's not dependent on the world it's dependent on the characters and the relationships and and that really has always clicked for me in barbaric in such a fun way so it's yeah funny, well i think about how you used that. to compare um you used to use uh, not for four kids. What no? What 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 were you using? Use Badlands as a comp for something, and I can't. Oh, for we can never go home. I was always like, yeah, we can never go home. Yeah, but that's so indicative of who you are, though. Like, if I were looking at stuff like like I I would throw out like, oh man, if I'm thinking about like but weird buddy, you know, yeah. pairings, I'd be like Paper Moon. Like, I think Paper sure. Moon is just this character of a chain smoking nine-year-old <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and maybe her dad we don't really ever know, we don't know. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's just nothing really happens there's not really much of a plot but like that's the stuff that i love that sure. is one of my favorite movies of all time and badlands has like this mood and character that like you know this is driving this thing along and i think that's i see that in like where where your mind goes to yeah where like you said the galaxy brain i don't think that way i like i looked at like what hickman did x-men i'm just like this like fucking charts and shit and i'm like i don't i don't get it yeah i mean yeah i mean i admire it i admire it but i mean i was in the room when when he pitched it in the room to to the marvel writing staff and it was funny because you could watch 
like like I had got such a kick of like looking around and watching all the other writer reactions to that <laughs> because I was like, I fucking love it. I could never, you know, you give me a thousand years and I couldn't have come up with it, but exactly. I love it. And then you watch some of the writers be like, oh yeah, of course. <laughs> like, And some people just be like, yeah, of course. Like, eh, I get it. And then some of them just be like, I have no idea what's going on. And like, it ran the whole spectrum among the writing staff. And it was like such a fun thing, but I feel like it was also like a good chance for me to like reestablish and reevaluate like, yeah, like, you know, I don't know. Like this isn't this isn't David Mamet. Like he's not doing Mamet. Like and he's a great character writer and he's a great writer. Like I'm not sure. oh, yeah. shitting on John. I love he, like one of my top five favorite comics writers of all time. But like, you know, it, it, there there's certain things that you can relate to and understand. I mean, I, I think about it a lot in terms of like, you know, like Grant Morrison versus like a, a like a Grant Morrison versus like a Brian K. Vaughn, and it's right. like both of them are brilliant writers both of them are you know a level above their peers just across the board but like i i watch who in writing gravitates towards whom and it's such a fun like oh this is what you value this is what you value this is what and you know like i'm a fan of both but like obviously like in my work i i gravitate towards more towards like vaughn and like there's a lot more stuff that's like about character driven then and grant morrison's more of a high concept guy in some ways but also vaughn does high concept and grant does character you know and it's like it's such an interesting thing to to try and figure out who you are and and where your position is in different genres and in different worlds and different world building and i think you do that so well you know like going from you know you've done horror and you've done sci-fi and you've done fantasy and you've done crime and all of this and and finding it and like now watching it just really click and connect in the last few years has been such an awesome experience as both as a creator to watch but also as a fan and a friend to watch you like really hit your stride and be like yeah give me 25 issues give me 30 issues and i'll make this sing i'll do i'll give you an epic that like you'll care about for all of time it's such a fun yeah, I mean, it's such a fun and inspiring thing, and I really, uh, I'm really a fan of what you've been doing. At- well, I say, I, I definitely say the same. I, mean, I think about your stuff all the time. It's so weird because <laughs> I know you do so much like Marvel and DC stuff, and you do it really well. But I, I always think of you as as your indie work. That's that's yeah. where that's I mean, why that's, I think of you as your indie work. Where that's we know you. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I think, yeah, that's where we came up, and I think that's like it feels like you I, I see i see the you and when you're working in, at marvel mm-hmm. when you're doing that stuff i mm-hmm. see it but i also see like like i said i see the progression i see the growth and the evolution it's really mm-hmm. exciting and i see it and it's so like you said I mean, there's not a better word than galvanizing and i and i like to i, I don't know i think we're, we're at similar points in our career where we're starting to like kind of like become cognizant of that and like there you you are really recognizing like okay this is who i am as a creator you know like and yeah. you get to kind of start to see you can look outside yourself a little bit which is hard um whereas i don't know i don't think i had this ability five years ago i don't think i even had this kind of um just idea to even to really consider it you know like but now i feel like i'm more considering of myself and the people around me i mean it's funny because you were talking about not not ever finding your footing at, at DC stuff because of the like history. And I think about the fact that like you and me were both in Scott Snyder's writer's program. Like we were in the inaugural yeah. writer's program. And I, you know, 
I felt very cocky and very, you know, like I can do this. And like, obviously like learning from Scott was great, great teacher, mm-hmm. one of the best in the business writers. Um, and I learned a lot and it was amazing. And I, I really cherished that class, but like I, I went in there and they were like, you know, write a script. And I wrote a script. I was like, who can I write a script for who has almost no history so that I can create them from scratch? And I I did Starling from the new 52 Birds of Prey, who's only, I think, in nine issues of comics. Yeah. And, you like, did, and what was your second one? Wait, uh, I, did, I did Grifter and Green Arrow. That's Oh, that's right. I thought, yeah, who did, someone did, someone did Ragman. I remember someone did Ragman too, which I was always like amazing. <laughs> yeah, someone did, yeah, who did Ragman? There was a good Ragman script. It was um, a good Ragman script. The, uh, might have been Sabella? No, I don't think it was Sabella. Sabella did Dead Man, I think. I think he did. Sabella did Dead Man, yeah, it was good. It was good. There's um, a lot of good scripts that came out of that. I mean, they yeah. legitimately good. But the uh, but I remember doing Starling and being like, well, this is natural. There's not a great history of this character. Like, there's a good, it's an interesting character. She's fun. She doesn't have a lot of history. I can really make it my own and make it put a stamp on it. And DC people were just like, what the fuck are you <laughs> like you're in a class to write dc characters and you wrote like a very obscure character and i was like and that was a huge moment for me in clicking of being like oh yeah i like building my own like i'm i'm more comfortable building my own thing than i am running with someone else's and like i right. will run with someone else's but if given the chance and given the open road my first instinct was like i'm going to build my own thing yeah um me and too. not that i entirely like obviously starling like a i believe a dwayne straczynski character from birds his birds of prey like an existing character but the point was that i was trying to have as much that i could build myself yeah and- well it's funny we work in an industry and i think this is something I, I know this is something that you and i share that we're always kind of kind of fighting for our autonomy and we work in an industry that's not very friendly to being autonomy you know the 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 best the best gigs the most high profile things you're gonna get are going to be like batman or spider-man or whatever you know and you there there is a certain amount of autonomy there don't get me wrong but like there's not nearly that what you get of doing your own thing Mm -hmm. so it's like it's like finding that balance as an artist. And I think this isn't, isn't anything you're going to face it in film when you have producers breathing down your neck, or you're going to face it in, in TV with the same thing or in books with editors, you know, whatever that you're fighting for your own voice and you're fighting for your autonomy. And comics is a special situation because it's the only really medium that is driven by stuff that already exists all yeah. the time. Like books doesn't, I mean, yes, there are licensed books and yes, movies is getting more and more adaptation heavy, but like comics is really the home. The tradition is these legacy stories that started, you know, in the 50s or 40s, however, depending on which one title you're looking at, that have existed straight through to today. Nobody has that, you know, so like finding your own finding your own independence and freedom within that is 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 tricky and challenging. But like -hmm. that's something that's been important for you and I since since the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like every time I start a new creator on book, I like. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, this feels good. Like this is natural. And I forget it doing license stuff. And I love doing license stuff. Like I really do love, like there's a beautiful thing to adding a stitch to a, someone else's tapestry to like, just being like, I made a mark on a thing, whatever it was. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those guys who's like, I'm going to rip it all up and I'm going to be the name they remember. I'm like happy to be there and be like, this is my stitch. And it goes all the way back to, 
you know, uh, Jack Kirby, or it goes back to Ditko, or it goes back to whomever. To Dwayne Straczynski. It goes all the way back to Dwayne Straczynski <laughs> a few years ago. Um, trace my legacy all the way back to the good old New 52. Um, but, you know, like, I love that, but there's just a different feeling to making something that's your own, and, and it is really... Uh, there's nothing else quite like it I've ever found mm. in my life. Yeah, um, no, no. I mean, but it, I mean, like you said, there is something satisfying too. Like you're like, wow, I wrote, I wrote a piece of this, you know, and, and that's mm. something that, however many you know reboots or rehashes or whatever happen, it never takes that away, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, like it may not count, you know, but like it still counts in the sense that people are going to find it and people are going to, you know, enjoy the the going down the the, the current of that river of of yeah. of Spider Man or of Grifter, you know, or, yeah, yeah. or whatever, and you're going to be in that, and that's that's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do have one last question, which I do like to ask people a lot, especially when they are you know creating a lot of original stuff currently and 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 for somebody like you it seems like you're you're like you said you're finding your sweet spots you're doing what you want to do is there and and if the answer is no that's fine is there is there is there a plan are you heading towards something is there some is there a place you want to get to where you're like i'm making these kinds of things or i'm producing this amount of work um do you do you have an outlook like that yeah yeah you know what to be honest you know i i I have thought about this a lot, you know, mm. um, and I really want to, and, and there's context for this. I want to do, um, I want to do a little less, you know, like right. not because I'm lazy because I'm not, you know, but I feel like I, I, I want to, I want to take time. And it's funny. You mentioned this about uh, Tennessee, Tennessee and, and Black Panther where it's like, mm. ha, he, he turned in this, like this year and, and, and was able to do that. Like, it's such a dream to be able to do that. Like, like I want to be able to like do less projects and sport, spend more time with them. Right. You know, like everything goes so fast and everything, like even, you know, I thought, you know, if you think, you know, there's this kind of misconception. It's like, well, in movies, you know, have tons of time, blah, blah. It's like, not, no, <laughs> no. <Yeah. laughs> uh, once something gets going, it's just like the, 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 the train is just exploding out of the station, mm. you know? Yeah. And, I just want to be able to do that. Like I want to be able to get into a comic. I want to get deeper into what I do. You know, I want to just be able to spend more time and get much deeper. And the answer to do that is by doing less, having less projects that you're, you're getting art for. I mean, it's just the whole process when you're in a project, you're getting art for it. Then you're getting the lettering pass and the editing wants to do this. And there's all these steps. So it seems like, Oh, I only have three projects, but there's 17 different you know, processes within the processes that are happening, that's kind of mm -hmm. taking you away from one project and you're going from project right. A to project C to B to D back to A and so on. So I just want to, I mean, in my mind, the goal is to be able to do less and just do more with it and then take some time to like, you know, do more reading and do more listening to music and do more, you know, kind of like internalizing. I've done a lot. I've done, a, you know, I look back, you know, uh, I, I've written, I think I wrote in 2022, all told, actually, I know this for a fact, because I was like, how much did I write this year? And it was over, well over a thousand pages that I could calculate. <clears throat> and wow. um, I just, I don't I just don't want to do that, you know, like, it's just too much. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it's good. There's nothing about that that's good. I don't think I water anything down because I, I, I put in the work. But yeah. like, I want to be able to do less, you know, again, I can't say again, do less so I can go do more with what I do and then also take the time to just enjoy stuff in the way I, and 
you don't always get to joy when you're making things. You you don't get the ability to enjoy it because your your mind is so active. You don't have or, or at the very at the worst, you don't just don't have time for it. So I just want to be able to, you know, get you know get more enjoyment out of the things that I uh, that I love, and that's writing and also viewing and, and reading and things like that. I really like that answer because I feel like, and I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think with comics creators, because comics are so rapid, I feel like it's the the answer most often is like more, like there's more things I want to do. And I, so I really like that, especially because it's like seeing wasted space cross that 20 issue mark is just like, that's so cool. Like I was so excited to see that. And so it's, it's great. I'm glad you're being, you're able to carve out the space that you are. Um, and I, oh, I hope you get to do that. I hope you get to dig in the way you want to. Well, thank you. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, like, you know, the good thing is, you know, as Matt probably knows, like the more you do this, like, I feel like you never, you never have, you know, there's, there's peaks and valleys with, with this mm. job and you never are like, boy, I have it all figured out. And if you feel like, if you feel like you have it figured out, I promise you you're in danger. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> if you think you did a bad job, you may have done a good job. But if you walk right. away thinking like I did a great job, you did terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, um, so there's never like quite certainty, but I think you kind of learn a lot. You learn the ropes and you learn that you you can take those steps back you can right. take more time you can't be more judicious and i think that just comes with experience and and, and maturing you know yeah <clears throat> um, well that is a great answer and i think a great note for us to end on mm. um mike thanks so much for coming and hanging out uh yeah, thanks, i haven't seen you in a while i i it was great to see your lovely face to catch <laughs> up to hear your perspective on stuff and uh i really was happy to get to say to you in a slightly less awkward than normal situation how proud of you i am of the work you're doing and how much it means to me as someone who i think of as someone i started with and someone who i think of as a peer just kicking ass and like building these big awesome things that matter that people are passionate about and how much that like inspires me and excites me every day to get up and make comics so i wanted to just have you on here and say that to you and thank you for taking the time to hang out with us well thank you very much for saying that i, I deeply appreciate it. it means a lot it means a lot especially coming from you and and i feel the same like and i feel there's always that thing for me when i see my friends like you and tim and you guys are able to do that thing that i can't do very well <laughs> right those writing these legacy characters and i see like tim had to, that smash with gwenpool and people loved it and i was like man that's gotta be amazing and i see you doing like your grifter stuff and like that's just it's just it's a brain thing that i don't have but i see you guys doing it and i see how like well like it, it works i'm like man that's that's just that's awesome i love seeing it and i know that's you're so passionate about it i know like from years we spent together so sure. it's like seeing you doing it is i don't know just really gratifying it makes me happy you know i'm really glad and i'm really glad for your indie success you have it all i guess you have it all wow i really conquered this life and this existence and i i'm happy that you're here to uh, witness it and to bear witness <laughs> yeah so, i am too thanks, am thanks too. for coming out man Oh, I'm glad this uh, this is like the the greatest inception. You just brought me here to I came to this realization. <laughs> I'm like, and now it's over. Okay. <laughs> 
And that brings us to the end of part two of our discussion with Michael Morisi. Make sure to check out Barbaric Hell to Pay, Revealer, and everything else Michael is working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Michael Morisi. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week with another wonderful guest. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.